And so most of the time when we see it in the Torah, it's God blessing his children. And uh, the center, the center of this week's Torah portion, Naso, as we've already been told by uh, Dorothy, is the Aaronic benediction. It's at really quite, very much at the center of the entire Torah portion. And as Dorothy also explained to you, it's got a lot of other things in it. It's a whole lot going on. Lists of who gets to handle the Mishkan, the whole issue of the Sota. Sota is the water that the women drink. By the way, I'm not going to get into it, but just for those who have difficulties with that, it was to protect the woman. Okay? It was to protect the woman from a jealous man. That's all. That's why, you know, come on. She's going to drink a little water and then all that's going to happen to her? No. Mm -mm. Not unless there was really something wrong. So it was there to protect her from a guy who's out, out of control. Just to let you know. And because God protects all of his people, not just men. So, what about this idea of blessing, though? And how can we receive the fullness of God's blessing in our lives? Well, interestingly enough, it seems to me, there are, it's, the, the vow itself is wrapped around two ways in which we ourselves dedicate ourselves to God. And in doing so, at the center of all of that is the blessing of God for us. So I want to take a look at those two ways that we can dedicate ourselves to God. The first one is found in chapter 6, and again, Dorothy read a little portion of that for you, uh, and that was, uh, that was Daniela's reading as well, from the Nazarite vow. I'm just going to read one verse, and we'll talk a little bit about it. It says in, the, in Numbers 6.21, it says, This is the law of the Nazarite, whose vow, who vows his offering to the Lord according to his separation, in addition to what else he can afford, according to his vow which he takes, so he shall do according to the law of his separation. So the Nazarite vow was given as a time of holiness in our lives. There are times in our lives when it would be a good idea to separate ourselves from the things that hold us back from God. You know, we don't often take that time out. Shabbat is one little symbol. We're supposed to take a time out every seventh day, you know, from all of the things which distract us, which push us away from God and from his things, and, and give ourselves a break. You know, we don't often do that, where we give ourselves a break and just live, just live, just be. No, we're too often to pursuing, and we're all like this. We pursue uh, all of our goals and our ambitions and all the other things and all the worries of life that come upon us, and we don't separate ourselves. God says that there are times when we should, and he gives us the opportunity to do so in the Nazarite vow. We separate ourselves. Now, there are certain things, wine, and don't drink any strong, anything from the fruit of the vine, and you, don't, and you don't cut your hair. These are all symbols of things that are part of our ordinary life from which we separate. And they make, uh, they're symbols of the fact that we are in a special time. 
You know, Paul the Apostle did the Nazarite vow many times. If you read through the book of Acts, he would do that from period, time after time in order to, commem- to commiserate, is the word I'm looking for, to commiserate with God. Because sometimes we just need to be alone with him. And that's hard for us to do. You know, one of my heroes in faith, I don't know how many of you know him, but his name is Thomas Merton. And Thomas Merton was a famous, uh, he was a priest, okay? And uh, he spent a great deal of time alone with God. I mean, he would go to some deserted island where there was absolutely nobody else and live there for years at a time. Now, that's not necessarily for everybody, okay? But out of his solitude, which I believe was a gift that God gave to him, he produced beautiful, beautiful works of devotion to God. And you would do well to read some of those because here was a man who, who, who had a special communion with God. And sometimes we need that. Can we take a break from the regularity of life, from the ordinariness of life, to make ourselves holy? By dedicating ourselves completely, will God protect us and love us during that period when we devote ourselves to him? You know, guys like Samson, who got away from it a little bit, we know, but more like John the Baptist or Samuel. Maybe you didn't know that Samuel was a Nazarite from birth. You didn't know that, right? Okay, yes. He was, a, he was a Nazarite from birth. So were so was John the Baptizer. These men don't, devoted their entire life to God. Everything they had, they received from the Lord. When we devote ourselves to God, when we devote ourselves to the things of the Lord, God will save us and protect us and protect our investment. A story... There's a story of a man who uh, noticed that all of a sudden a big hole formed on his property on Shabbat. And so he was very concerned. He didn't want anybody to fall into the hole. That maybe what he should do was to fill the hole. But it was Shabbos. And so he said, well, you know what? I'll wait. And so it says he decided to keep the Sabbath and then all of a sudden, a miracle occurred. A tree grew out of the hole, a tall tree, whose branches spread over the garden, and it bore three kinds of fruit, which nourished the pious man's family. Now it was uh, HaKodesh Baruch the Holy One, who did this for the pious man because he had not violated the Sabbath. When we devote ourselves to the Lord, when we follow his way, instead of our own, God will bless us remember that remember that when you don't turn your phone off remember that when you're waiting for that call about that stock or something like that it'll all wait and God will protect us so then there's another way in which we devote ourselves to the Lord so if you look, if you look at chapter 7 of the book of Numbers, uh, about 
five verses, six verses down, you're going to start getting really bored. It actually is one of the longest chapters in the entire Bible. And it describes the offerings made by every single tribe uh, for the purpose of building the Mishkan and, and furnishing the Mishkan. So it says, and it says, uh, now on that day, on the day that Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle, he anointed it and consecrated it with all its furnishings in the altar and all its utensils. He anointed them and consecrated them also. And then the leaders of Israel, the heads of the father's household, made an offering. They made an offering. And it goes on for the next, um, let me see, excuse me. Let me turn my back on you guys. Oh, gosh. Three pages. Something like that. Let's see. For the next 89 verses, which is a whole lot, to explain tribe by tribe what each one of those tribes donated. And it was ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. 70 bulls and this and that. Um, let's see. What, let's do one. Every tribe gave the same thing. But they felt the need to describe it, to list it in this book, so there'd be an official record um, of that. So let's see. So it says, uh, on the second day, Nathaniel, the, the, the son of Zor, the leader of Issachar, presented an offering. He presented as his offering one silver dish whose weight was 130 shekels, <laughs> One silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to Shekel Sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour, 10 shekels of this, a bull, a ram, male goat, on and on and on and on. I decided I don't even want to read all of that. Okay? But in, in each case, every tribe gave the same thing, or the same amount, in order to fill up the need of the sanctuary to make sure that it was supported. They had to give from their, from their, uh, uh, from their material, from their material uh, resources in order to provide for the sanctuary. Now listen. You know, the question I always get asked is, well, wait a minute. They were in the desert. How'd they get all of that stuff? You know, porpoise skin and everything else. All you got to do for that is just go back to the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus. You find out that the Egyptians gave them all those things <laughs> just to get them out of there. All right? So they had all of that stuff. But the point is, is that here they were wandering in the desert. And they gave their, what they had, which would be their survival over the years. How long is it going to take us to get out of the desert? But they trusted in the Lord to provide for them the things that they would need. Listen, I don't care how much you have, you can't eat porpoise skin. You know what I mean? It's like not very digestible. Or shekels of silver don't, do, don't go very far when you're in the middle of the Sinai Desert. And there's nothing, no water around. You see, we need to be able to rely on the Lord for his material support of us. What we have belongs to him anyway. The fact that they were giving the money back into the sanctuary was only because 
God gave it to them anyway. And everything you have, no matter how smart you are, belongs to God. It, you know, if he takes it away tomorrow, and he can, where will we be without him? So our financial resources are a way in which we devote ourselves to God. Our physical lives, not just our spiritual ones, but when we get our, spirit, our physical lives to the Lord, we can count on him to take care of us through the desert. See, they didn't get through the desert on those porpoise skins and shekels of silver and all the gold they got from the Egyptians. They got through because God fed them with manna, with quail. He provided water in the desert when they were thirsty. Everything they needed for life. He protected them from their enemies. That's how we survive. That's how we live. So, we dedicate ourselves to the Lord through our spiritual lives. We dedicate ourselves to the Lord through our physical lives. Both belong to him. And when we do, we can have God's blessing. Listen, so there's another story I want to share with you. This is a story about a man who lost his fortune, and he became so poor that he had to earn his living as a, a laborer. So one day, the prophet Elijah appears to him, and he says, you know, you're destined to have seven good years. When would you like them? Now or later? Okay, so he says, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, I better consult my wife. <laughs> you know, this is like this, I'm not going to make the decision by myself. better talk to my wife about it. So he says, uh, so it says he goes back, to, he goes back home, uh, and he tells his wife, Honey, you won't believe it, but it was Elijah who came to me and he said, we can have, we're going to have seven good years. When do we want them? Do we want them now or do we want them later? And his wife said, let's take them now. Now she does this because she's a wise woman, actually. And she, she says, here's what we're going to do. We're going to uh, take the wealth that the Lord gives us in these seven years, and we're going to give a portion of it back to all the poor. Okay? So they took what God gave them, the blessing with which they were blessed, and they shared that blessing with as many as people as they could. Okay? So, after a period of time, it says when the seven years were almost up, Elijah the prophet appeared, and he said, time has come to take back what I gave you. You have to return the money. Okay? So the man said, oh, I have to get my wife's permission. <laughs> you know I mean, you know, I asked her to begin with, now I got to get her, her permission. I can't just give it to you. So, so he says, so, so his wife said, ask the old man whether he wants to take the money in order to give it to someone else. And ask him if he's found anyone who was, was as charitable as we have been. And if he has, I'll restore the money so he can give it to those who make better use of it. So the Holy One noted their words and knew the good works they performed and he rewarded them with even more money so he might confirm the saying, let there be acts of charity. So we see, the, we see that when we take what God has given to us and we share it with others, there will always be more than enough for us and 
for others. You know, I don't want to get political, but one of the reasons why the world's in the shape it's in is because those who have will not share it. They don't share. Not nearly enough. But if we share what we have, our, our jar will never be empty. Never be empty. Always remember that. Live your life with an open hand. So we bless God by giving our hearts, our souls, our very minds to him when we dedicate ourselves in prayer and in service to the Lord. And secondly, we, do, we, 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 we dedicate ourselves to God when we give, away, give of our resources generously because everyone has and there will always be some in time of need. So that leads us Finally, to the blessing itself, which we've heard, which we hear twice every Shabbat morning when we bless our children, then at the end. And it's said so many times, even, uh, you know, I think we can all recite it together if we chose, right? So let me, let's do that. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with me. And if you don't, you should probably remember it. So it says, the blessing is the Lord bless you and keep you. You can say it with me. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Yes. This is right in the middle of it all. It almost doesn't make sense where it's placed. The scripture often does this, you know, right? It surprises us with something that we didn't expect to be right there, right? There's a list of this, how to do that, and then, you know, you know all of these lists of, uh, of, bless, of, of uh, offerings that are being made, smack in the middle of it. God does something like this and blesses his people. And we should understand these words. I want to go over a couple of these words. There are, there are words, uh, there are four words, four things, that I want to uh, just touch on with you before we end. It says, which means, and you shall, bl- and the Lord bless you. Okay? So to bless is to endue with power for success and prosperity, for fruitfulness and longevity. These are the things that God wants to give to us when it says, I want to bless you. When we are God's people, these are our expectations in life. If not in this age, then certainly in the age to come. We have these names because we will have the mark of God on, our, uh, on us throughout eternity. It never goes away. The second is Yishmerecha. Uh, uh, in that first sentence it says, Yishmerecha Adonai Yishmerecha. And that word is the word shamar, which means to keep or to take care of, to guard. You know, when we say the, the Vishamru, it says the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. We are the guardians of Shabbat. Shabbat is from the creation of the world, but we have a special relationship with the children of Israel that we are its guardians. And we, in the same way, God is guarding us 
The Lord is keeping us. And he will keep us if we are dedicated to him. Uh, the, the next word is panav. Panav means punam or face, your face. And when it's a, we, God turns his face toward us. In other words, it's a sign of his favor. To live in the favor of God is the best place you can be, no matter what state you may be in at that moment in your life. You know, things aren't always the way we want them exactly. But with God's face turned toward us, we are in the best place we can ever be. And finally, shalom. Shalom, peace. But peace doesn't only mean the absence of violence in our life. The word shalom means to bring all things together. Wholeness what it means for life to be good. And God wants to give us all of that. All of that is encompassed in God's desire for our blessing. So when we live lives devoted to the Lord, we, can, we know that God will grant us everything that we need for life and, and spirituality and happiness in this world and in the world to come. So I'll ask the music team to come back up and while I tell you one last story. It says, once upon a time there was a very charitable man and he had a daughter who was about to be married. So he went to the market to buy food for the wedding. Everyone knew him and the people uh, said, pointing, there goes that charitable man. There goes that generous man. He had lived his life making a point of being a good man. Says, then someone said to him, there's an orphan in town who has nothing for her wedding. So he bought a trousseau with the money he had intended for his own daughter. And he led the orphan to the wedding canopy. Having bought the orphan's trousseau, he had no more than a gildan left. Since, since he was a wheat dealer, he bought a gildan's worth of wheat. He put it in a cupboard in his pantry and went off to the synagogue. And when he came back, his wife said, look, there's wheat pouring in at the door. And indeed, his pantry was so full of wheat that it overflowed into the house. And so he became a rich man. He gave away everything for the sake of a bride. By the way, this is a prayer we pray every morning, escorting the bride to the wedding canopy as a virtue. And this man took it to heart. And as a result of devoting himself to God's mitzvahs by giving his substance away so that God's plan of peace and love could be fulfilled. God took care of him and his daughter in every possible way. And God will take care of us if we devote ourselves completely to him. Amen. Congregation, please rise with me. We all want to be blessed, don't we? Everybody wants to live in blessing. So now we know a little bit better maybe how we can do it. By devoting our hearts to the Lord, by devoting our substance to the Lord, he will bless us and we will be blessed.